This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hello there and welcome to the Bite Size Business Breakfast. It's the best bits, the highlights of today's show. Thursday morning, 15th of February, and we start with some good news about salaries because the guys from Hayes says that most of us are going to get a pay rise this year. In the UAE, to be specific, 80-80% of employers say they plan to give pay rises this year. But who's going to earn the big bucks? We're going to get the thoughts of Oliver Kowalski. He's the Managing Director of Hayes here in the Middle East. Also going to hear from some of the speakers at the World Government Summit on the final day, Wednesday, Narendra Modi and Shahrukh Khan, the Bollywood actor, on how his career took a bit of a downturn a few years ago and how he bounced back. What else can I tell you? Earnings season in full swing. Well, it was. It's come to a close now because the deadline has passed. We've been speaking to so many CEOs and CFOs, including Rashid Ali Al-Ansari, Group Chief Executive of Al-Ansari Financial Services. And finally, Talking Energy with Sean Evers, Managing Partner and Founder of the consultancy Gulf Intelligence. All that to come. First up, though, let's dive straight into those salaries. And it looks like most of us are going to get a pay rise this year, Tom. That's the theory, yeah. Uh, why? Because we've been talking to the team from Hayes. Hayes Middle East came in to talk to us about their latest salaries report. The GCC salaries report is out. Top line is that 8 out of 10 employees, 80%, just shy of 80% of employees, plan to... Sorry, employers uh, plan to increase their salaries in 2024. Actually, get the wording right, Tom. Employers increasing their salaries might be taken a little wrong. That's not fat cats just saying, right, I'm going to pay myself and the rest of you can uh, do whatever. No, they're looking to increase employees' salaries throughout this year. Uh, When? Where? How? Remains to be seen. But the sentiment is there... It's the sentiment, at least. And we'll take the sentiment. That is giving rise to optimism in the job market out there. Uh, We had Oliver Kowalski, Managing Director Hayes Middle East, in earlier on to crunch these numbers. As I said, 80%, so 8 out of 10 employers saying they hope to uh, raise salaries. 75% of employees saying they were expecting to see a rise in their salaries during 2024. Uh, However, difficult, Nick, when you've got so many sectors at play here. Um, Everyone, the, the the positivity goes across the whole market, so all sectors in line to see a potential increase. However, some sectors more likely to see higher rises than others. Which sectors are getting the big pay hikes, we asked? Yeah, so most of the candidates say we are expecting about 5% increase in our salary. But you also have some highlights. Yeah, So in finance, it's quite higher. In legal, it's quite higher. So it really depends on the sector. Yeah, as you know, the, employee, the labor market is very special. And then you have to make a deep dive. So in some industries, there have been 15 to 20% of the employees who got more than 20% salary increase. But of course, it's also dependent on the base. Yeah, so when you have a view in our salary report, you see very, very detailed numbers for 400 different roles. And there you see ranges and average and all of this. Uh, Dini, very quick to ask, which sectors? Uh, and we got the answer as well. Alas, 
as much as we were hoping to see media uh, mentioned in there, it didn't come out. It was uh, the tech sector, the finance sector and the real estate sector, which were seeing the most significant increases. Also, the legal sector as well, much in demand. Pay rises are in many ways relative, relative to what your colleagues are getting relative to what your peers in the industry are getting, and also relative to the cost of living, which is why Dan Richards, the economist at Emirates MBD, has been looking at this. Inflation, of course, has been globally and to an extent locally significant over the past few years throughout the pandemic. This is what Dan had to say. Vox has released its annual salary guide, which contains a wealth of information on employees and employers' experiences with work and pay and their expectations for the coming year. And one of the points that really stood out to us was that just over half of employees saw their salaries increase last year and nearly three quarters expect another boost to earnings this year. And really, this stands to reason, given that we now live in an environment where prices are rising as compared with prior to a pandemic when there was little or no inflation for several years. Now, as inflation eased off last year compared to the highs we saw in 2022, the satisfaction of employees with their salary increased, suggesting that some of those cost of living pressures have already eased. And with interest rates set to start coming down again in the second half of this year, albeit only gradually, this satisfaction could rise again in 2024. Not the only story that Dan's been looking at. This morning, indeed, over the past 24 hours, UAE earnings season coming to a close. This week is the deadline for listed companies in the UAE to report their annual earnings or losses, if that is the case. Now, Dan and the team at Emirates MBD are not equity analysts. They don't do buy, sell, hold recommendations on Air Arabia, for example. But they do look at the bigger picture, the macro picture, and draw some general conclusions. This is what Dan had to say. The latest round of earnings reports from UAE has been pretty strong generally, especially when we consider the slower growth environment in much of the rest of the world and also the higher interest rates that businesses and consumers have been contending with through the past year and more. And I think one of the most notable factors that's been supporting businesses has been a growing population. And this has been suggested most recently by the Do results, but prior to that, we've also seen it outlined in the Diwa and Salak results also and, and many others. Now, 2024 could be a little tougher for businesses if we don't see the same level of people coming in. And some businesses have been concerned about the impact of regional tensions on the supply chains. We've seen that in responses to PMI survey as well. But generally, the outlook remains pretty strong and we expect generally a similar growth level to last year. Dan Richards there, Emirates MBD. One of the CEOs, business leaders we've spoken to about earnings, is Rashid Al-Ansari, the group chief executive of Al-Ansari Financial Services. Now, they had an IPO about 10 months ago, April of last year. Earnings were out over the past 24 hours or so. Solid set of numbers, half a billion dirhams worth of profit, but it was down slightly on the year before. To explain why and what's happening with remittances, particularly to Egypt and Pakistan. Full interview with Rashid Ali Al-Ansari coming up. Before that, your chance to hear in full our interview with Oliver Kowalski, the Managing Director of Hayes Middle East. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. Yeah, as we're reporting in our headlines this morning, Hayes Middle East have released their GCC Salary Guide 2024. Salary data for almost 400 roles, insights into the workforce trends, shaping the region. 
region at the moment to crunch the numbers and give us a little bit of the insight into what the report has thrown up is the MD, the Managing Director of Hayes Middle East. Oliver Kowalski has joined us live in studio this morning. Good morning to you, Oliver. Hi, good morning. Thanks for, for the invitation. Not at all. Great to have you with us. Right. A uh, number of things to get through here. Let's start with the top line, the headline, if you can. 80%. Uh, nearly eight out of ten uh, of employers in the UAE plan to increase employees' salaries this year. What does that sentiment tell us about the job market and salaries in general? So in general, we have to be aware that the economy in the UAE and in Saudi is still extremely supportive. So there are strong growth rates also in the year 2024. And therefore, of course, people need uh, companies need more people. Yeah, because more than 60% of the companies want to increase their internal headcount and some, most of the companies also want a stable headcount. Now that means overall more than 90% of the companies have to hire new people this year. Mm. And you can imagine there is a battle for talents and that brings you in a good position when you want to increase your salary. So a positive, positive outlook at the moment. I suppose the bottom line here is, look, that's what employers have said to you. Yeah, they'd like to increase salaries. I suppose employees of driving into work at the moment are going, OK, Oliver, does that mean I'm going to get a salary increase this year? What one wants and what one gets, I suppose, are quite different, aren't they? That's absolutely right. And it depends, of course, on your individual situation. Yeah, so your salary depends on the company size. It depends on the sector you are working in, on your experience and, of course, on your, on your um, education. But I think overall, you are in a good position. You have to be aware of your value to the company. And I think so. there are two, two positions. From a company perspective, it's extremely important to pay attention to a people's strategy, mm-hmm. to be aware that you have to recruit people, that you have to, to, to have um, focus on retention and, um, and that you are attractive for new employees. From an employee perspective, yeah, I think it's important that you are transparent, that you are in conversations with your employee yeah, to tell them your expectations. Yeah? Do you want to get a promotion? Do you want to get additional coachings? And what are your plans for the next, let's say, one, two, three years? Let's look at it from the employee's perspective, because that positivity out there at the moment, and again, you just highlighted on this sort of battle for talent as well. Is that invigorating employees or would-be employees? Are they going to employers and saying, this is what I want, rather than employers saying, this is what I'll give you? Yeah, we see a change in the market. So in the last year, only 25% of the employees said, I want to change my company. This year, more than 30% of the employees looking actively for a new job. Mm. And that brings a high pressure, of course, on the companies, because it would be a big loss when you have well-educated employees who are working in your company and you have to find new ones. It brings extremely under pressure. Is Is the job market saturated at the moment with regards to talent or not? It, it depends. It depends. So, so there is a gap. Yeah, so on the one hand, 40% of the companies are saying we have more candidates in the process like last year. But on the other hand, also 40% of the companies are saying we have a lack of qualified candidates. Mm. And it really depends on the industry you are working in. So when you have a look at the sweet spots here in the market, finance and banking, construction and property and technology, there you have a really high demand. And when you are a good, good candidate, a good expert, you have the choice where you want to go. And I think it's very easy 
Good negotiator, high salary. I'm putting all of these ingredients into our big cauldron at the moment. I'm giving it a big stir as well. And again, it's this cauldron of optimism out there. And your report shows that optimism. So in terms of those salary increases, and I, go, I suppose I come back to the employee's question. If they are on the horizon and if we could potentially see there's a better chance of seeing a salary increase, what sort of percentages are we talking about? How much could salaries go up? So I think the main range is between or up to 5%. So that's what we see in the market, of course, for some special... Across the board? Or again, dependent on what job you're doing? So that's the average. So most of the candidates say we are expecting about 5% increase in our salary. But you also have some highlights. So in finance, it's quite higher. In legal, it's quite higher. So it really depends on the sector. As you know, the the labor market is very special. And then you have to make a deep dive. How much higher? What do you mean? In, it, in lower banking? To, it goes up to 20, 30 percent more, wow. more salary. Also, we saw this also last year. So in some industries, there have been 15 to 20 percent of the employees who got more than 20 percent salary increase. But of course, it's also dependent on the base. Yeah, so when you have a view in our salary report, you see very, very detailed numbers for 400 different roles. And there you see ranges and average and all of this. So, so you don't have a one-size-fits-all answer. It really yeah. depends on your individual situation. And again, and I, I completely appreciate that. <laughs> it comes back to the sectors, doesn't it? We've seen finance absolutely flourishing at the moment. The, 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 tech, uh, the um, uh, property sector is booming. Can we talk tech, though, as well? Because obviously the tech sector growing here at the moment. Yeah. And technology... I've got through five minutes of this into six minutes without mentioning AI, but going to mention it now as well. <laughs> yeah. Is that having an impact? Because we're seeing job losses around the world at the moment. A lot of bosses don't want to mention AI, but it must be part of the reason. AI is a very interesting topic. So, so more than 50% of the employees say we are using AI at work. So a really high number. But most of the companies don't have an AI strategy. They don't know at the moment how to implement AI into the business model. And I think they have to work on it because AI, we believe AI has a deep impact on the daily work, but also on some business models you have in the market right now. So yes, people are aware of AI. They say they are using AI, but more for, for, for supporting writing taxes and, and all of this. Yeah. We're into the final minute. Very quickly, just, I mean, this is, this is a GCC report. Which is the most buoyant job market in the GCC at the moment? It's uh, Dubai and KSA. The two? Yeah, the two. Okay. Uh, and finally, I mean, just looking at the top lines on these, you mean take the whole report in all of its guises and say, okay, what does this tell us? But I think you've told us it's a buoyant job market at the moment. There's plenty of opportunity out there. The optimism here, is that very different from optimism in job markets in other parts of the world? Completely different. Yeah, so when you see it in Europe, for example, or in Asia, labor markets are, are going down. Companies have to, have to um, terminate contracts. They are firing people. And here it's booming. So I think we are all can be happy to be in this region because it's, it's nice to live here. It's nice to work here. And I think the expectations are extremely great yeah, because we have stable governments. They have targets for 2030, like in KSA. Mm. Dubai has a big target for 2032, I think. It's stable. They have the money. Yeah. They know they have to invest the money. So I think we all can be happy 
to work in this market. And they wouldn't want that as he turns around and shows also the show. Also, the weather is also very supportive. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver, you're a good man. Bless you. Thanks so much indeed for coming in to explain more. Oliver Kowalski is the managing director, Hayes Middle East. That latest salary report is out. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Let's get some more on those Alan Sari numbers. Now, not just an important company listed on the market, but you'd have to say companies like that, remittance exchange companies, a pillar of society, a pillar of the economy as well, Rashid Ali. Alan Sari is the Group Chief Executive, joins us now live. Morning, Rashid. Good morning. Thank you for having me, Richard. So a solid set of numbers, half a billion dirhams worth of uh, profit last year, and yet a slight decline on 2022. What was the story of the year? All right. So let's start with the uh, macroeconomic picture. The UAE remains as the second largest country after the United States when it comes to personal cross-border remittances. And this is uh, due to the unique demography that we have here in the United Arab Emirates, where 88% of our population are expatriate population, naturally, the majority of which are uh, working population remitting Uh, money back home on a regular basis. However, there has been uh, a decline, a slight decline in remittances due to the uh, emergence of the uh, parallel exchange rate in certain major receiving countries such as Pakistan and Egypt, uh, which has resulted in us as a company um, uh, sustaining an 8% decline in uh, the remittance segment of our business. However, every other segment of the business, be it the uh, foreign currency exchange, the, the, the cash business, uh, the, uh, the corporate services that we provide, the WPS, which is a wage protection system, everything has been uh, seeing, uh, in most uh, cases, double-digit growth uh, last year. If, if we see how that has reflected on our organization, uh, we have ended up the year with, uh, as you mentioned, half a billion dirham worth of net profits. Uh, this is a decline from, from last year. Uh, the government has has realized uh, that there are uh, the challenges with with the remittances as well as the increase in operating costs because of certain uh, new regulations that are uh, affecting the industry itself. Hence, the the government has granted the the whole industry an approval to adjust the the prices by 15%. 15 15% translates, uh, Richard, into uh, 2.5 dirhams uh, per remittance transaction. This is something small for the consumers uh, to accept. It is very much uh, in line with the United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goal targets for remittances uh, worldwide to keep the costs uh, low. But at the same time, it affects uh, our bottom lines because of the sheer volume uh, that, uh, that we carry. Uh, our number of transactions uh, has grown by 8.5%. This uh, translated into 49 million transactions in 2023, which is a record high for this company. We've never seen these numbers in the history of the organization, which is exciting to see that level of growth in the number of transactions in the organization. This translates to 134,000 transactions every single day. Uh, We have uh, opened 25 new branches. We have inaugurated our cash management center, which means that we are able to um, uh, offer new services such as the uh, ATM replenishments for banks for the first time in the history of the company as well. Uh, And we're also excited about the the central bank approval uh, to launch our uh, wallet, Al-Ansari wallet, which which we're very much excited about as well. So lots to unpick there. If we look at the remittance side of the business, first of all, Two things in particular. First of all, the fees and the the 15% change in fees. I mean, in simple terms, uh, what have you done in terms of raising fees or lowering fees? Quickly explain that to me, if you would. All right. So so typically, uh, the raise in fees is uh, very minimal, as we've mentioned, two and a half dirhams uh, per transaction. 
but this is limited to the brick and mortar. Um, uh, whereas uh, we, uh, in, in general, we want to keep the digital channels very competitive. So there might be, uh, we were definitely maintaining the prices there unchanged uh, and even uh, providing certain uh, um, for certain corridors that are price sensitive, even a discount to be able to uh, keep our digital channels, specifically the mobile app, uh, relevant uh, and uh, competitive in today's uh, market. And in terms of those two key markets, Pakistan and Egypt, and what's happening with the exchange rate and its impact on remittances from the UAE to those countries, can you again explain in simple terms what is happening in those countries and how it's impacting the remittance business? Uh, so due to economical uh, pressures in, in those countries and certain turbulence in the economy, uh, you have the, uh, the government and the, and the banking sector uh, basically following a certain exchange rate where the market actually moves away from those exchange rates when it comes to uh, foreign currency. So the, the dollar becomes in, in higher demand and the, uh, the, uh, the man on the street or the, the private sector are willing to pay more uh, for, for the dollar. And that creates a parallel exchange rate, which, uh, which basically um, uh, affects the, the behavior of, uh, of certain uh, segments of the consumers. Those who can afford to not to remit on a regular basis might delay their remittance or they uh, prefer to take cash with them, uh, foreign currency when they travel. Uh, so it affects the, the consumer behavior in that manner. It just, just it's very important that this is a, a temporary uh, situation. We believe that this is um, uh, uh, a situation that is, uh, is uh, the issue is going to go away once the uh, once the economies of these uh, countries stabilize, and then we will see the uh, those segment of customers basically come back uh, to their regular uh, behavior when it comes to uh, remittances to these countries. It's almost a year since you listed on the stock market back in April of last year. Your shares closed yesterday at one dirham and seven fields. You IPO'd at one dirham and three fields, so a, a slight increase. In, in practical terms, little changed from the IPO price. What's been the experience of the past 10 months as a, as the chief executive of a listed company, formerly, of course, a, a very private family business? Extremely exciting. Uh, we have, uh, we're extremely excited to be listed, uh, specifically when it comes to expanding the, uh, the business geographically. We are in the Kuwaiti market. The Kuwaiti market is the fifth largest. UAE is the second, but Kuwait is the fifth largest when it comes to uh, personal uh, cross-border remittances. Uh, so we definitely want to uh, expand into other markets and being listed helps quite a bit. It's very different when you go to a regulator in a new country and say that you are a family business. Very big difference when you go there and say that I'm a listed company. They, they, they treat you differently. And that has opened quite a lot of doors and discussions. We have great investors on board. Uh, who are helping us in opening doors uh, to expand geographically, uh, typically into the GCC countries. The GCC market represents 25% of the uh, total uh, global personal outward remittances, so we definitely want to expand in those markets. Now, you've mentioned about our share price. Uh, we are very much proud uh, that we uh, are going to end up uh, distributing uh, 600 million dirham as dividend. If you calculate it on the IPO price, this means a dividend yield of 7 uh, 0.74%. That's uh, and even at today's share price is north of 7%, which is which is quite generous. And uh, and we we hear great feedback from our um, uh, our investors. This is a company that is uh, here for the long term. This is a company that um, is uh, capex light. Uh, it 
provides generous dividends and it's on a growth trajectory. Mabrouk, Rashid to you and the team at Alansari Financial Services on your first 10 months as a listed company. Solid set of earnings despite a slight dip in profit. Rashid Ali Alansari there, Group Chief Executive of Alansari Financial Services. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Right, thankfully, uh, we have got a voice of reason in the studio. Joining us just after 8.30 on a Thursday morning. Yeah, I know we give you regularly energy updates, but here's the man that can as well. Uh, Sean Evers of Gulf Intelligence has joined us live in studio. Sean is the founder and managing partner of GI. Great to have you with us as always. Thanks, guys. Nice to be here. Let's start with oil if we can. Um, I've been trying to make sense of it. Scratching my head, if I be honest, because I've been looking at this over the last uh, couple of weeks, in fact. Bit of a yo-yo for oil. Um, Oil in the last 24, falling by more than a dollar a barrel on US crude. Futures sinking by a dollar a barrel um, uh, as a result yesterday. Finished 81.60 Brent crude late yesterday. And yet I'm looking at the markets now. Down now again, uh, another uh, half a percent to 80.13. So flirting with the $80 a barrel mark. What's going on? Well, I think ultimately, as you've just stated clearly, oil is like a you know a barnacle on a rock around eighty dollars a barrel on Brent. Uh, you'd have to say pretty cheap when you just heard Richard there telling us that some piece of digital code called Bitcoin is worth fifty-two thousand dollars, and a barrel of oil that can actually drive your car is worth only eighty. Uh, but uh, in that regard, I think it's basically caught by a, a bottom and a, a and a top, if you like, in the sense that. Uh, you know, global demand remains relatively decent. Uh, we're going to hit a record global oil uh, demand this year, about 100 to 3 million barrels a day, uh, up about a million barrels of demand. So demand is healthy, but half of the growth of last year. So that's kind of your, your cap on your oil price, a little bit above 80, add a few, you know, disruptions in the Red Sea and geopolitical risks. So you've got a little bit of a upward push from demand and from insecurities around supply. But then you've got the weakness on the bottom side, which is China, world's biggest oil port importer, world's largest, second largest economy, uh, is in a very uncertain space. Some people call it a recession. Some people even use the word depression. But generally, compared to what China was for the oil markets, the engine of growth for 20 years, it clearly is no longer that. What it will be in the new era as it comes out of COVID, will it still be an engine of growth? Or have we now seen peak oil demand in China? So that's kind of your soft bottom. So you've got Two things keeping it uh, contained around 80, and it's going to take some breakout on either one of those for it to move either direction. Well, keep an eye on those fluctuations. I'm looking at natural gas, up quarter of 1% at 161. In fact, let's talk gas if we can, because big story coming through in the last 24 hours uh, involving two big uh, power players in the energy markets, Adnoc and BP, agreeing to form a JV in Egypt that will focus on the development of gas assets in the country with the potential of exploration in other parts of the world as well. How big a deal is this? 
Well, I think it's it's in of itself probably, you know, with relative size, if you like, in the context of the Egypt opportunity. Egypt has been a place of significant uh, discovery of new gas deposits in recent years, most notably any the Italian energy company has done very well there finding new deposits. Uh, and the whole Eastern Med is probably, in terms of global, the, the, the latest in the, uh, sort of basins to deliver a large quantity of gas to the world. Uh, I think most significantly, however, from a local perspective, from an ad hoc perspective, is that uh, this signals the year of the internationalization of ad hoc. Mm. Ad hoc has been a little bit quiet in the six months around COP, not really wanting to step too far in front of their CEO's role as president of COP, uh, the climate uh, conference. And so now that that is not quite passed, but ultimately the critical center of UAE hosting COP, ADNOC can now move forward in some of its much more uh, ambitious goals around expanding oil capacity to 5 million barrels a day within the country, but also internationalized. They want to be a player in the world, not just within the UAE. And this is one of the steps in that direction. Just to that end as well, the potential of Egypt as a supplier. I mean, we know they've got intentions of becoming or would like to become more of a regional gas supplier at the moment. But when you look at the size of the population of Egypt, I mean, it's just part of the problem is just making sure there's enough energy to go around for 100 million Egyptians, isn't it? It is. And and, and clearly, if the Egyptian economy was any healthier, you know, it is, it, I mean, speaking of economies under duress, and particularly in this window of time, where the Suez Canal is at 50% yeah. of its capacity, that is, uh, the, this, Egypt's biggest source of foreign revenue is the fees it charges ships to go through the Suez Canal. That's down 50% at the moment. And how long that lasts could be very challenging for Egypt. So the Egyptian economy continues to be on a weak wicket. And so consequently, the industrial development is not consuming a lot of energy. And so the gas they do discover there, a lot of it can go abroad. But over the last 20 years, Egypt has dipped in and out of being a net importer and a net exporter of gas. It clearly has the potential to do both, to be an exporter. But, uh, I, I, you know, either way, if you're developing gas there, it'll either be consumed domestically or internationally. You prefer internationally because the money's better. Sean, let's talk more long term about the demand for hydrocarbons and whether we'll even need them in a couple of decades as we transition to renewables. Big talking point this week at the World Government Summit. Haithamar Gase was there, gentleman you know well. He was speaking about the transition from hydrocarbons to more renewable energy and he is very bullish on the long term outlook for demand for hydrocarbons. This is what he had to say. Has been successfully able to develop its oil production, its gas production, but at the same time do it in a way that is environmentally friendly. We have Adnok in Abu Dhabi, we have Masdar, all companies that are involved in making sure that the climate issues are dealt with and appropriately in line with the Paris Agreement conventions and agreements and frameworks, but also at the same time catering for energy security and the way that the UAE is planning to invest to upgrade and upscale its production capacity. And the essential message was that we're not going to get peak oil demand until at least 2045 and probably beyond. Cynics say, well, he's the head of OPEC. He would say that. What's your view, Sean? Well, I mean, it is the, uh, sort of a big question mark. Uh, ultimately, uh, the IEA has identified the peak oil demand uh, year as 2030, which, of course, is 
only a few years away. Uh, uh, this S&P Global Commodity Insights has also identified 2030 and, uh, as the peak uh, year. Um, if you look at the earlier point around China, really a very critical question for the, the longevity of hydrocarbons demand, uh, certainly oil, is where does China go in a post-COVID world as it uh, reforms its economy away from industrial and manufacturing to services and consumer? It, will it continue to consume its, you know, its manufacturing EVs like crazy uh, and, and buying EVs like crazy? So I think there is a question mark there. Sean, got to leave it there. Really appreciate it. That was Energy with Evas. Thank you very much indeed, Sean, for your time as always. Uh, Sean, the uh, founder of Gov Intelligence. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiEye1038.com. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.